0: Welcome to the batman cast, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the greatest animated television series of all time, Batman the Animated Series. Our podcast offers a deep dive into each episode and a full series retrospective from two nerds who really like Batman. Speaking of two nerds, let's introduce the two nerds. First, my co-host and the most attractive man to ever sit across me at a table,
1: Mike Stout. Hey, hey, I I am Mike Staub, and uh, Jordan, thank you for that lovely intro. Uh, I'm a big Batman fan.
0: Yes, you are. We we
1: both are. (laughs) We both are giant Batman fans, but across the table, my co-host, he is the Dark Knight incarnate, but really nice about it. And just a terrific human being, a charming SOB, Mr. Jordan Hugh.
0: I wonder, just, does that make... If if I'm Batman, does that do you have to be the Joker? Is that the only foil available? I, Are you there for the Clown Prince of Crime, Mike Saab? I, I
1: don't... You know, I, I don't think I'm mean enough to be the Joker or evil enough to be the Joker or chaotic. and Ah, uh, there's a little chaos. There's a little
0: chaos. I don't know. If I associate you with a Batman villain, I'm not sure it's the Joker. But, like, not not because I don't think, like, no. you're cool. Obviously, the Joker's cool, but... um. I don't know. I'll have to come back to this as to what Batman villain you remind me most of. I think you could do a little Riddler. I could be a little Riddler. A little Riddlery. A little I think. Riddler. Yeah.
1: You know. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think know. of
0: myself as sort of Penguinish or Mad Hatterish a bit. I think. Maybe. Is maybe. That, can we see that. I
1: feel like you're brighter than that. Brighter than that. Oh, I well, think you're. Brighter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, there's got to be some magician.
0: Well, you know, it's it's a good thing neither one of us are man bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean who would start off a show with that villain right uh, that's i mean i mean that's uh, madness. Uh, madness madness yeah. um no listen we podcast listeners mike and i have been uh best friends for a, a long time since we're about 12 years old we uh grew up here together uh on long island in new york that's where we are bro- broadcasting from and uh We have uh, this show very much in common, as we do have in common with a whole generation of people that that share Batman with us. So this was a huge part of our childhoods, and I think that we are looking to reconnect with it now that it has just turned 30. 30. Because this will air in September, Mm -hmm. and this aired in September of 1992.
1: It's crazy how long ago that was, but as I've gone back and watched some of these opening episodes again uh, for this show... I've noticed how relevant this show still is, oh, yeah. how good this show still is, how representative of Batman it still is. And Jordan and I got this idea to do this because we were we have been doing a podcast and we've kind of fallen off a little bit with another podcast called How About This, which, How About This, which is a pitch show where we, you know, talk about properties and talk about our ideas. And we've done two episodes on Batman, and we were having a back and forth. Jordan is also a a host on another amazing podcast called The Sopranos Podcast that you should go and listen to. And Oh, I thank you. From listening to The Sopranos Podcast guys kind of talk about The Sopranos at length and the whole episodic analysis of TV shows has become sort of a podcast trend. Sure. Jordan and I were putting our heads together for a long time. What can we talk about? What can we talk about? And then after we did our first episode of How About This, where we talked about Batman, we really understood that, like, we really get this. We really like Batman. What Batman is our favorite Batman is the animated series Batman. Absolutely. And when we were like, why don't we do an episodic show? And we're like, you know what? Let's just do the Batman, Batman the Animated yeah. Series.
0: Yeah. We we want to be your watch along, guys. Yes. We're hoping that maybe you have found us because... You're either rewatching the show for the 30th anniversary, yep. or maybe you are really into HBO Max, which is a really good streaming service it's right probably now. Probably the best. Yeah. yeah, in terms of the content wars, it's kind of winning right now, and it has, of course, Batman the, the animated series. So we're we're kind of hoping that maybe you'll follow along with us. But actually, this will bring us to our first topic today, yes. which is we have to actually have to talk about the order in which you can watch the episodes or maybe should watch the episodes.
1: Yeah, folks, we're, we're doing what's known as the production order of the show, which means this is the order that the producers of the show had made these episodes in. This is not the airing order. And the production order and the airing order are two different things. This is not the order you're going to see on HBO Max, But this is probably the order you're going to see if you were to buy a box set of the series like I just did on Blu-ray for very cheap on Amazon. Me too. Yes, I Mm -hmm. bought it for like $20 on -hmm. Blu-ray. It was a perfect, perfect, perfect purchase. So you'll see that you're like, oh, so they don't start with... What's the first episode that airs? The Cat and the Claw. The Cat and the Claw, which... It's a great episode, and it's a really good episode to, I would say, a really good episode to start the series off on TV based on when it came out. So now this is 1992. This is September of 92. Right. Two months, three months after Batman Returns. And that's
0: why they start with Catwoman. And And
1: that's why they start with Catwoman, because Catwoman was an established character. People liked her. You know, obviously, Michelle Pfeiffer does, like, an incredible, like... Honestly, probably the best performance of that character we might have seen yet.
0: There are some people that say Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman is the best comic translation of any... Batman character it's, I'm kind of hard, it's hard to argue it's it, really good it's hard
1: to argue I know you know obviously Heath Ledger's Joker is always going to come up but, but it it is like so different it is it you is. know
0: I, well, you know what actually I shouldn't say that you know what actually the Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman is a very deconstructionist yes. uh, sort of alternative take to the character but it's wonderful
1: oh it's great and it fits it fits what Burton was doing like that Catwoman fits within the whole Burton verse, which is upsetting that we didn't get more of that the closest we get to more Burton Batman is that there is a comic book series that just ended, I believe, called Batman 89. Right. And set in his universe. Set in the yeah. Tim Burton universe. And uh, it's been a popular comic book because everything with Batman is, a pop- is popular. Batman is probably the best-selling comic book on the planet right now. And as you can see, DC has a lot of Batman-related stories that they have been putting out for the last handful of years, whether they be miniseries, one-shots, sure. Batman himself has a couple of series going on. They do really well because Batman is such an interesting character. And I feel like every writer, every oh, comic book writer and artist wants to put their stamp on Batman. Now we've kind of <laughs> we've kind of moved away from what we were talking about. So production order yes, versus yeah. mm-hmm. airing order. Jordan and I decided to go with the production order. Just because we feel like this is the order in which, at least maybe I feel this way, that this is the order in which we think the producers wanted you to kind of experience the show. And we've noticed this time and time again, especially, unfortunately, the Fox network kind of always has done this. They did it with Firefly, too, where they showed Firefly out of order.
0: I think a lot of networks have had this Yeah, problem. you're probably right. Um, and I, I, this is actually, I, I'm not really criticizing. I actually, Mike and I looked at these episodes and like looked at what the content of each one was and trying to figure out like what were the programmers up to. And it's exactly that. It's that um, this episode that we're talking about today is On Leather Wings. Yes. Which is an amazing episode. We're going to talk a lot about it. Um, but it's a really odd start. It's a great start. Uh, artistically speaking yes but if you're looking to just get fans and kids involved you need to tie them into a character that they know a little bit better than man bat and also the name man bat is confusing it's like oh man bat batman and i'm five years old and i'm trying to tell people what i'm watching and i I think there's there could be some mix-ups yes um and also man bat is a dark episode like yeah content uh, the look of it everything is very dark um so they Debuted with The Cat and the Claw, absolutely, as Mike said, as you said, to uh, kind of harken back to the the recently released Tim Burton movie and a character that everyone knows as Catwoman. The other big problem is the second episode on the production side is an episode called Christmas with the Joker, which is—that's not, that's not the episode you do second. It's a Christmas no. special. It has the Joker. It's got a really weird tone. So I think the combination of these things, they were just like, you know what? They made a great show. We're going to release them in the order we want to release them in.
1: Yeah, and that makes perfect sense to me. And a lot of these shows are kind of you know, uh, there there there's very there's fewer arcs in these cartoons than sure. than you would see out of something later on the line. And you have to we have to remember this, folks. This was before American audiences were really exposed to anime, so kids in general probably didn't hold well, maybe production companies didn't really understand that kids could hold their attention from episode to episode in an arc where anime kind of just always does that. This is
0: the last big show that has loose continuity. Yes, yes. I mean, there are certainly things that happen. Like, you'll see, like, Harvey Dent become Two-Face. And, like, there are things that certainly happen in this series that have ramifications beyond just their own episode. But this series is also still very, very serialized, very episodic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like how comic books were in the 50s and 60s in the Silver Age where it was kind of like, all right, who's Batman fighting in this issue of Batman or Detective Comics? So it kind of matches the comics and you would get these kind of one or two episode arcs on the show. Now, obviously this is based off the comic book Batman. I feel like it's one of the most comic book accurate depictions of Batman, but we would be remiss to not kind of mention the influences, right, of this show Mm -hmm. and how important... The influence of Frank Miller And Tim Burton were
0: So do we think Is is Miller the bigger influence here Or is it Burton?
1: You know I think Burton gives you the vibe He gives
0: us the vibe He gives us I mean Danny Elfin's music Is in this series So that, that automatically makes you feel Like it's Tim Burton But I feel like Batman Probably owes
1: more to Frank Miller Than
0: it does to Tim Burton
1: Yeah I think so too Only because It's You're getting a Batman That Frank Miller Didn't really work with Right, You're mm-hmm. not getting old man Batman and right. you're not getting year one Batman. You're getting this mid-career Batman, which I think is way better uh, is. to work with. Just like we've, Jordan and I have always kind of held this belief that like, hey, if you're going to make a movie, make it where the guy's in his the middle, middle of his career. Give me a Batman who's in his 30s, you know, not necessarily a Batman who's, you know, 20 or whatever. Sure.
0: There's a pretty good reason for that too, which is that I think... Batman learning how to be Batman Is only interesting a little bit Yeah He's kind of a hero That we need to be good at his job Mm -hmm. And that's not to say That I dislike For example Like The Batman The Robert Pattinson film I, I thought that was cool It was cool to see him learn stuff But Batman being a certain capable character and having that level of threat uh, because he is so capable is really neat. That's kind of part of his power. Yeah. Because he has no superpowers. No. He's like the most capable human. Yeah. And that is part of the fascination.
1: Yeah. And also with, with, you know, we bring up the Batman here and we bring up Frank Miller and we bring up Tim Burton's Batman. Tim Burton's 89 Batman. Batman isn't fresh. He's not new, right? He has been right. at least been Batman for a little while. Right. So we already kind of know the story, and it seems like the the producer production team here of Paul Dini and Bruce Tim, and Andrea Romano kind of already gave the audience. Credit right? They they trusted yeah. them to know. They were like, really smart. Yeah, they were like this. Audience is gonna know what Batman is about and who Batman is. I mean, he's only mm-hmm. the most popular comic book character of all time. Yeah, and he had been around close to sixty years at this point. Correct.
0: At the time the series airs, yeah, it's yeah, so mm-hmm.
1: about sixty years. So we've already had two bat two two Batman movies. Three, if you want to include the original Adam West Batman movie, and- <laughs> right? Which
0: which you know we still love yeah. in its its own yeah. way. But I think. That's a good thing to bring up. That's part of the success of this show: is yeah. that this cartoon, which kids watch, takes the character as seriously as the comic books do, mm-hmm. and does not try to make it into something else, like a campy, fun, uh, comic comedy, like an yeah. Adam West.
1: Yeah, and obviously, the Adam West Batman has its has its merits, and you know, oh, it we sure love is. that.
0: And it's it's actually wonderful. It's just it's not this.
1: It's not. Yeah, it's not this. It's not what Batman had become at this point in time. And it is darker. It is more serious. It is not without fun, though, which is great for a series like Batman and a character like Batman. And I think this production team really had their finger on the pulse of what makes a comic book series great. They did. What's wild, too, at this time is that this is 92, right? This is 92. You got 92. You've got Batman the Animated Series. Right. And there's nothing
0: else really like Batman the Animated Series on TV in 92. In 92. This is going to create a tidal wave of stuff. Yes.
1: Eventually, you do get the X Men cartoon. Right. uh, That kind of tries to be Batman, but kind of fails because the X Men cartoon, while we love it and it's fun. Eventually, that production team did not have or want to have the money to spend on yeah, making the, that show truly. That great. show falls apart. That yeah, show falls what, apart. What happens, I mean, yeah. you have great voiceover performances. You got a, the iconic Jim Lee kind of X Men look, but Batman just kind of does it better from start to finish. To where the production team behind this, they were throwing money at it, like they major were. money. Yeah. So it, at this point in time, it was it was a it was fairly common. For American animation studios to go out and hire Japanese, right? Japanese animation mm-hmm. houses to animate their cartoons. Is that
0: what's happening with Batman the Animated Series? That's Is that...
1: that's exactly what's ha- what happened with Batman the Animated Series. And for those of you who don't know this, a lot of the cartoons that you grew up watching were actually animated over in Japan. So okay. in the late '80s and the early '90s, like '91 ish, there Japan in the '80s was known it's known as the Bubble Economy. For those of gamers out there, if you've ever played Yakuza 0, Yakuza 0 takes place in the 80s. And every time you beat someone up, they like explode into coins because everyone has so much money (laughs) in Japan. Because the Japanese auto manufacturers, electronics manufacturers, video games, they're making so much money at this point in time. during this quote unquote bubble economy that the joke is, is that people are just loaded. They're filled with money. Right. The bubble bursts in early, early 90s. And these animation studios need to start doing contract work. So two of the main animation studios that Warner Brothers contacts are Tokyo Movie Shinsha and Spectrum Animation. Mm-hmm. Now, Spectrum Animation is actually a spin-off of Tokyo Movie Shinsha. They're actually it's a it's a company that was completely based off of and built by ex-employees of Tokyo Movie Shinsha. Okay. And for TMS, as they're called, uh, in in the animation circles, TMS is famous for Animating Akira, that's the big one. The Akira movie. If you've ever seen that and you're like, wow, this looks unreal because Tokyo Movie Shinsha did it. Mm-hmm. They also did DuckTales. They did the real Ghostbusters. They did Tiny Toons, Animaniacs. The list goes so on So like on every show we liked. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. show that yeah. we kind of grew up watching was animated over in Japan by, a lot of them were animated by Tokyo Movie Shinsha. And they did a lot of Batman as well. I believe Spectrum in for Batman, like the it's a, it was all about their attention to detail. And when you read a little bit about it, we'll talk more about this when we talk about Heart of Ice. Uh, it was Spectrum's idea to kind of fog up Mr. Freeze's helmet whenever very, he very, spoke. Very, cool, yeah. So uh, it costs a lot of money. <laughs> and, um, it, you know, so Warner Brothers are throwing money around. Whereas this wasn't uncommon. If you watch the first five episodes of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or the theme song to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you'll notice that it looks way better than later episodes of the cartoon after those first five. Because sure. those first five were done by Toei Animation who animated Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. So... That's a big part of this. The mo- The show looks as good as it does because they had incredible animation studios working on it. Also, and we'll bring this up, they drew the whole series on black paper.
0: Yes, that is kind of the breakthrough of this uh, series uh, is that to give it kind of a dark tone, they took the standard, which was to draw everything on white paper, do the backgrounds on white paper, and said, nope, do them in black. And they drew everything on black matte paper.
1: And when you sit down and watch these episodes, you're like, they're really dark. They're really dark. And I don't mean that tone-wise. I mean actual color-wise. Yeah, color wise. I, I heard
0: an interview that I, they actually said they actually had to brighten them up. Yeah. Uh, that it did not get past the network to be like, uh, you guys can't make it this dark. They can't see.
1: Yeah, it's it. there are points, and I will say, and obviously this is a 30-year-old cartoon and has been digitally remastered and done all that stuff because it's you know it's a gigantic piece of art. Mm. Um, There are parts of the show that you go watch, and you're like, yeah, it is a little hard to see. I, sure. I noticed that especially in episode two, uh, Christmas with the Joker, where there's like an ice skating scene and it's like, ooh, it's real dark. But yeah, yeah. I don't think the show succeeds to the degree that it does if it doesn't have that. I think the fact that Gotham mm-hmm. City is kind of this dark brooding force that exists throughout the whole series... I think that's really important to to what's going on here, yeah. especially when we're talking about the style of the show.
0: Yeah, well, actually, let's let's talk about the art direction for a second. So now we're in we're in Bruce Tim ter- territory, like I, d- definitively. I love Bruce Tim. Yeah. I'm
1: a big fan of his stuff. No matter who he works for, you know, I've I he's all terrific. Great.
0: So he had been collaborating already with Andrea Romano, who ended up ends up being our uh, vocal director, yes. or voice acting director for this series, and is in charge of most of the casting as well. And they had worked together at, at Warner's for a long time yep. doing animation, and the genesis for this idea comes about because uh, I believe Bruce Tim is the idea person first, and he brings it to Romano and Dini to say, this is something I'm interested in, let's put this together. And um, the art direction, the style of this show is unlike any show I've ever yep. seen. These are some terms that are thrown around with this, obviously these are not my terms, but... Obviously, they're going for, like, a 1930s look, and the word is dark deco, which is a play on art deco and darkness. So it's kind of like, okay, hey, here's an alternate universe 1930s, and there is 1930s, like, retro-futurist modern technology. Yeah. So you have some tech that should not be there in the 30s or does not function the same way it normally would in the 30s, but it looks like, the best we can have it. You know, so an example would be, like, the look of, like, that SWAT vehicle yeah. that looks like a toaster, yeah. you know, or um, the police blimps, yeah. which is the least practical thing I've ever heard of, but yeah. they look really cool. Yeah. And then just, like, you know, obviously the style and the architecture of the buildings, the look and feel of the clothing, but then you'll get into episodes later, and there will be televisions. Yeah. And these televisions, which, of course, weren't popularized until the 50s, will look like, oh, as if they had come out in the 30s.
1: Yeah. And it's it's a great style because it makes it kind of timeless. It does. It's got a tight a touch of what you know folks would now call Deco Punk. You deco know? Punk. That's exactly Which, it. Which yeah. um, you know I you know I love the I love the term Dark Deco. I think that that sure. works really well. Uh, or
0: even just like we both love Bioshock. Yep. Yeah, right. Bioshock. It, there's a feeling to that too, even though Bioshock, of course, is set later and has a different mythos.
1: Yeah, of course, but it does definitely have that kind of vibe yeah. to it, and. I think that adds to it because because it just, you know, Batman is a character of the 30s, right? Sure. And it also gives him
0: that little bit of pulp edge mm-hmm. that you want. Um, yeah. You know, we often talk about uh, amongst ourselves that, you know, 1989 Batman was so good and there's not a lot to accompany it. Yeah. Like, yeah, eventually you get Batman Returns, but you get movies like Dick Tracy mm-hmm. and The Shadow and those things because Hollywood misinterprets the population's want for superhero movies as a want for more pulp heroes. Yeah. Right? But um, actually, them, uh, meaning Bruce and folks, uh, attaching Batman firmly to the era of the 1930s, the era of the pulp comic, gives this series kind of a raw darkness as yeah. well, which is just really cool. It almost feels, this is silly to say, but it almost feels a little dangerous watching yeah. this show. Like, I think anything could happen. We have blood in this episode, Mike. We
1: do. We do. and And this is at a time where... You know, comic book. I'm um, sorry, cartoon characters weren't allowed to like actually hit each other. Right. So that's like a thing we will notice in the in the in the in the series as we go on. A lot of times when Batman punches someone, they'll cloud it up right. or they'll flash something. Right. So though not in this episode, not in this episode, they kind of went all out, and there might be we also might be watching versions of the show that have that stuff taken out. Like, famously, the Amazing Spider... I'm sorry. Famously, the Spider-Man cartoon, he never punches a soul. He'll swing his punch, and you'll see him swing it, and they'll cut to Spider-Man swinging the punch, and then you'll see the villain flying. So it's like, he didn't (laughs) get hit.
0: There's also a lot of throwing objects around, which is
1: allowed. A lot of throwing objects, a lot of fighting things that aren't human. Right. Right. Robots and toys and a giant bat.
0: Right, which was better for Spider-Man because Spider-Man at least could web something and then fling the sewer grate yeah. at, at someone. Yeah. For Batman, he is a more physical character. I did notice in this episode, especially. I mean, he really relies on gas pellets and the the Gatling gun. Yeah, and the, yeah. oh, not Gatling. I'm sorry. The um the grappling, grap- gun. Grappling, gun. grappling gun. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you do see a lot more of him using gadgets, but that's kind of cool, right? Because that's what we want to see about Batman.
0: Ab- absolutely. Um I, th- I think it's time to just dive into the episode and then see what else comes up.
1: Oh, and you take these <laughs> leather wings.
0: I-, I was singing that just before. I can't <laughs> get that out of my head now. I think that is the unofficial song for this episode. <laughs> so, Mike, the first thing I'm going to do before I get into kind of going scene by scene through the episode and going yeah. into like a deep dive is just... What are your initial thoughts for On Leather Wings, Season 1, Episode 1 of Batman the Animated Series?
1: So I've watched On Leather Wings since we decided to do this podcast. I watched it about three times. Yeah, me too. Mm -hmm. I watched it once a few months ago, and then I watched it once on my own last week. And then a few nights ago, I watched it with my wife, uh, Amanda, who... I'm not sure if she'll be on this show, but she might be at some point. I'm sure she'll join us. She'll join us for, probably probably join us for a Harley episode. Harley episode. Yeah, I actually have... Yeah, I think that would be great. She yep. loves Harley Quinn. So we were watching it the other night, and she has never seen the show. But she loved the Batman, which is like the I, most serious... I also of, love the Batman. So yeah. Both of us did. Mm-hmm. which is, Which is almost too serious, but there's a sense more of a sincerity with the batman
0: you hit the word on the head man since it is it's about the sincerity and i
1: think that's why amanda like the batman now, i won't speak for her she can have this whole conversation when we have her on at some point but she had never watched batman the animated series so i put it on and she was like oh this is great and because she's an animation junkie too we watch every cartoon on the planet mm-hmm. recently got her into anime so we're kind of like watching a ton of cartoons right now and we're watching batman the anime series she's like this is so cool it's so dark and I think what was good is showing a newcomer this, watching watching this and watching it kind of vicariously through someone who hadn't seen it before, something clicks. They're like, oh, that's why he talks about this show so much. That's why this show yeah. was so impressive upon mm-hmm. him as a child. And I sat back and watched it and like, I know this the studio didn't want this to be the first episode, but I love this as a first episode. It's I think way it's better a, than
0: the Cat in the Claw for the first episode. Way better. And Cat in the Claw is a good episode. Cat in the
1: Claw is a great episode and I love Catwoman, yeah. but... It's like this is just a Batman comic. Yep, it's one Batman comic. It's one complete Batman story. And it's
0: a scary one. And it's scary,
1: yeah. which Batman kind of needs to be. It's a, it's great if this this episode I think airs in September of. I think this is the third. This is the, the yep. second episode. So that's that that
0: aired. the thing. It still airs early. It just didn't air first.
1: Yes. It's the second episode that airs on TV. It airs the day after The Cat and the Claw. uh, The the Cat and the Claw. Right, because they're just running these like every day. These shows are running every day. I remember when I was in second grade, you know, being at the playground and and having to get home to watch Batman. And this is the second episode that airs. And it introduces us to a character that not a lot of people are familiar with, with Man-Bat. And it's just a chaotic, fun Episode that involves Batman doing detective work, Batman using gadgets, Batman being Batman. It it's, yeah, it's showcases great. Kevin Conroy's incredible voice work. It showcases all the incredible voice work, the music, the production value. Everything about this episode, I think, is a perfect way to kind of dip your toes into the series and really get a taste of what it's about.
0: I so agree. My initial thoughts would just be that it's like the perfect showcase episode for Mm -hmm. Batman the Animated Mm -hmm. Series. It has very few characters in it. It does offer a couple of series regulars, like we will see uh, Harvey Dent prior to becoming Two-Face, we'll see Bullock, we'll see Gordon, we'll see even Mayor Hill makes an appearance. But like... They didn't give us the Joker. They didn't no. give us, like, a lot of what we wanted. It instead kind of focuses on almost doing, like, a Monster of the Week yeah. uh, kind of vibe, but in very much in, like, a 30s horror yeah. vein or yeah. or a noir, like, yeah. really giving us a detective story, like you said. I, I think the thing that was most surprising to me, and I had seen this episode a lot, both as a kid and now, yeah. this one was, I feel... I, I was always hoping for a better episode than this, and I was like, nope, it's on leather wings yep, again. Yeah, there we go. But I, I like that, especially now as an adult. I could really appreciate it. Um, this one is one that is just, it's really nicely put together, and it is surprising to me how scary it is. Yeah. Um, and I, I am always viewing this through the lens of like, hey, this was also a show for kids yeah. that adults come to appreciate. And I think the best thing about this episode is that it neither condescends to children nor patronizes adults. Yeah. It really is just entertaining and smart, and it asks the best of every viewer to just be like, hey, you're going to enjoy this, and it's smart, and it's fun, um, and it's a little scary, and I, I think it's it's a great episode for that. Um, all right, we're going to dive we right totally in.
1: Totally agreed. Um, yeah, let's dive right in. But before we dive in, I just want to say one thing. Yeah, please. Man is also a great toy. He's a, great, a great, toy. great toy. He's a Great toy. Great toy. Like, you know these cartoons did you have this
0: action figure did you have man I, bad? I
1: think i had like the whole set
0: yeah, i i had man bad for i sure. definitely
1: had man bad i had the batman i had batman i had joker i had pretty much everyone that came out i, I remember get,
0: his wings were sort of posable and it was yes, really cool yeah, yeah
1: it's just these cartoons ultimately the the goal of any cartoon for sure, the sell, 80s and 90s toys. is to sell toys merchandising exactly so the fact that you have a character in the first Produced episode, who's just a perfect toy. He's a great great. toy. Great toy.
0: He's a great toy, and um, he's got a great pair of pants. Yeah, Um, those pants,
1: like the Hulk's pants, man. I don't know how he does it. They should sell those pants. (laughs) Um, All
0: right, this is Batman the Animated Series, uh, season one, episode one, on Leather Wings. Uh, We are, in this episode, directed by Kevin Altieri, and this episode is written by Mitch Bryan. So the first thing I want to bring up is this is the first time we are seeing the theme song with the opening credits or I should say the opening sort of action sequence of Batman and the thing that really welcomes you in is that this is the Danny Elfman score from yeah. the Burton films. It
1: is the it is it is the Danny Elfman Batman theme over this in over this uh title sequence or this intro sequence and it's perfect
0: and no better theme has ever been written for uh, batman um we see some interesting things in this i think most notably it's it's actually the image of that blimp yeah uh that is like where are we because this is like a pocket universe it is this is batman in the 30s sort of and it it kind of is, it's not the films, it's not the comics. It really is its own thing, and it, there's something really brave about that.
1: I think so, too, and I think that's why DC has gone back to do a, a handful of comic series that take place yeah. within that universe, because now there's a series out, it's in its second volume, called Batman the Animated Series Continues or something yeah. along those lines. So yeah. it's uh, I think that title sequence sells the show so well. It's Batman so good. narrowing his eyes and fighting the two goons and the explosions and the music. It's perfect.
0: My favorite two moments are him narrowing his eyes because yeah. you're like, oh, this is the most badass guy ever. Yeah. And then it is the lightning bolt that strikes behind him right, right at the end, which yeah. I think is great because it really is like this dude's a gargoyle. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. It really yeah. is. Um. Cool. We get a title card how classy! Very that this show has title cards. Almost
1: like a silent film, right?
0: Like a silent film, like a like a horror film, right? Uh, that's what I thought of. Anyway, mm-hmm. I thought of like an old Orson Welles movie or something yeah. like that. And additionally, like how intelligent this episode is not called like Man Bat, no, or uh, Batman versus Man Bat no. or something like that. This episode is called On Leather Wings, yeah, which is like a really artsy, yeah. really. It sounds like high minded. Like they're preparing you to watch something special. They know what they have.
1: Yeah, exactly. And they put the thought into naming all of their episodes yeah. something along this way. Uh this 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 line of 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 thought. It's not like oh, it's X Men versus the Sentinels. Right, exactly. You know? It's like there's Yeah, I mean you could say you could argue that, oh, they're being pretentious, but I really don't think they are. I think they're just giving mm-hmm. the proper amount of respect to the characters. Sure.
0: And, you know, perhaps even some of these titles on these episodes are derived from the names of the comic books that they're yes. from. But those are also more literary yeah. and high-minded titles. Yes, of course. Um, okay, so we're in scene one. We get—we've uh, been talking a lot about the blimps. Our first <laughs> thing that we see is Gotham Air One blimp. yeah. These are two cops in a blimp. <laughs> in a blimp. Um, I recognize Kevin Conroy's voice right away as yep. being one of the cops that's in there, so hey, he's doing some on my radar. Right, he's doing double duty in this episode, and uh, we get like a classic sort of horror movie opening, which is just it's it's the two cops on patrol and something some shape, yep, um, um, no. sort of zooms past them, and we get this um, beautiful like above the cloud shot uh, that actually reminded me a little bit of when the Batwing in the '89 yep. Batman goes above the clouds. Yep. Um, and they, they're trying to get a look at maybe what this is. And they're on patrol. I, I had to pause to think. I was like, why do we have blimps? I know. You know, that's... I, how could this help with policing? I don't really know.
1: I don't know, but it looks cool.
0: Well, I think that's it. Yeah. I think they literally just like it looks cool. Because the only thing you could do from a blimp as a cop is maybe see something, but then you then have to like rappel down a cable yeah. to get to the roof of a building, and yeah. then maybe run down to the street. It's yeah. really impractical, but looks awesome. The,
1: does the blimp? The blimp goes through the clouds, right? The blimp goes through and the clouds. Has, the clouds kind of have like almost have like this kind of viscous kind of weight to them, right? They Doesn't do have it? weight. Yeah, yeah. it look it looks
0: so cool. It's, it's it looks v- like soupy.
1: Yeah, it's very. Uh, it's such a good shot. It's such a good shot to see the uh, the blimp kind of uh, fly up.
0: Yeah, and certainly not the last time that we'll see the blimp um, in this episode. And it's great too because that shadow, at least the first time we see it, it could be Batman. Yeah. But of course, we we come to find out it is not. Uh, we get this transition with Man Bat flying through the night, but we only see his silhouette. And the music is incredible.
1: Killer, killer. The whole this whole series is it's kind of like perfectly, it's perfectly composed in terms of music and that gives it that that gravitas right i think that's a big part of it yeah and just the
0: even just the motion of the silhouette of mm-hmm. man bat looks cool this is mm-hmm. something you pointed out you said you think this is you could tell it's drawn on yeah paper. you could yeah. tell
1: it's drawn on paper because of the transitions like the motion is a little bit more noticeable but then something that's been computer generated because sure. i'm kind of okay scrolling. with that yeah. i'm actually more okay with it. I, it it gives a certain level of like craftsmanship to what they were doing sure you know in my opinion
0: yeah, um, we get our first uh, real location, which is going to be Phoenix Pharmaceuticals, which is a place that we're going to come back to a few times in the episode. We get um, just this funny, really Did mouthy they? security guard. I don't know if he, he clearly he wants to be a voice actor. Yes, I guess is is the vibe. And he's, he's goofing around with uh, Chekhov's voice recorder. Right. Yeah. We know that this thing is going to come back. And uh, <laughs> classic horror movie setup, Right. He hears something moving. Again, we have this great music in here that's very great. silent, filmy, very mm-hmm. early horror. Um, we see the silhouette of the man bat through the window pane. Uh, he, of course, then drops the voice recorder, which then, of course, records this attack. Um, man bat, the creature, confronts him. The guard throws a chair, breaks the window. Man bat throws him out the window. Yeah. Lucky for him the river is there yeah. which is a classic cartoon yeah. like we can't throw a man uh, to his death if this had been like a film he would have oh, he, he would be been, dead he
1: would probably have been eaten <laughs> right, yeah right yeah. his face would have been bitten yeah. off and the body would have been thrown Yeah, we into found the river. him he's got no face <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and yeah so that's that's all we get for now and now this for me is one of the most interesting scenes in the episode oh yeah uh, this is the first time in Mayor Hill's office mm-hmm. which is a location we'll come back to many many times in the series and our first shot, very cinematic, is of a newspaper headline. It says, "Gotham Police Declare War on Batman." And then there's a, a another smaller article with a picture of the injured security guard, and says, "Giant b- Giant Bat Injures uh, Night Watchman." First of all, I love this shot because it tells us in the most simple, easy way, you know, mm-hmm. picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. What the relationship is between the police and Batman and yes. the city and Batman, mm-hmm. which is not always ha- what it has been.
1: No. And I think even when the relationship between Batman and the city and Batman and the police is better, a lot of the time it's just Gordon Trusts Batman. Right. It's not really that the police always trust. I mean, Harvey Bullock's always a pain, right?
0: He's always a pain. He's very funny in this episode. Oh, he's
1: great in this episode. And I feel like they got the perfect kind of vibe of the characters. Like, it is very 30s, like, New York kind of thing. (laughs) Right. The other thing, too, is no
0: one really has a regional dialect. No. But then Bullock talks like this. Yeah,
1: let me tell you something about that no good Batman. (laughs) You know, he's very much like... Gotham City's technically in Jersey, so he's he's very Which I think they canonically
0: said later. I, I don't think that's Yeah, even, you I know. think that
1: was something that might have been added later, but I mean it's clearly supposed to be very much New York. So sure. it makes sense that, yeah, maybe he's got a Jersey accent, maybe he has a New York accent, it's about the same. And this this scene this scene is great because we do get introduced to some characters. Four of our series regulars, yeah. right?
0: So we have Mayor Hill. We have, of course, Commissioner Gordon. We have Bullock and we have Dent. Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: Dent's got the coin, too.
0: Somehow, even as a, I feel like even as a six or seven year old when I saw this, I knew that was Two Face. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, we saw him flipping the coin in the scene. Yeah. We know he's Harvey Dent. Yeah. It was exciting to me that they knew us well enough to know that we would want to see him before he becomes Two-Face.
1: And then his episodes are great. Like Harvey Dent later on. When yeah. We, when we, when yeah, we, we we'll get to Two-Face bit. Episode, yeah. yeah, we'll see him a bit. But Two-Face... That's, Actually goes on a date with Poison Ivy at one that, point. That yeah. is true. Yeah. And I think that I really like this... Universe's version Of pretty much All the characters They do them really well But Harvey Dent Is definitely That's probably one of the best Versions of Two-Face uh, I think that we've seen
0: Yeah we should mention In this scene Which is I don't know Like a minute long Yeah uh, Dent only has one line And steals the scene
1: Of course He's sitting there In the darkness yep. He kind of peers out And uh, what does he say to What does he say to Bullock
0: Dent says If you catch him Harvey I'll put him in jail for you But he says it In like such a really cool Sort yeah. of gravelly way The The yeah. um, the, the voice acting on Harvey Dent is amazing. He's the first voice actor I'm going to mention, which is hilarious that I'm mentioning, uh, Richard Maul, yeah. before I'm mentioning Kevin Conroy. But um, the Richard Mall voice acting on Dent, it just, everything about him is interesting. Yeah. He's positioned in the corner chair, he's flipping that coin, his face is half in shadow, of course, yeah. very notably the one hand flipping the coin is in shadow. Uh, really pulling our focus and attention, really cool. Yeah, um, I love the voice actor for Mayor Hill uh, and for Gordon, of course. Well, so first I have to props to Jim Gordon. So Jim Gordon, of course, is uh, voiced by Bob Hastings, yeah, great who work. will be in almost every episode of the series.
1: Just the perfect, the perfect voice cast for that character. It's perfect. It's 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 because his.
0: Accent or the the voice actor is choosing a voice that is still blue collar, yeah, but it's very erudite. It's yeah. very smart, yeah. Um, and it actually I think is absolutely what Gary Oldman was going for yes. when he played it in in the Nolan films. Yeah, I think so. Uh, was was Bob Hastings? I don't think he was emulating any other Gordon no. except for the no. Bob Hastings no. Gordon. And then you have um, Mayor Hill is uh, Lloyd Bachner. Mayor Hill is a very annoying character in the series. He's a very annoying in this episode, and you have, of course uh, Robert. Costanzo, of course. Oh, hey. Of course, a Paisan. Hey. A Paisan as, as Bullock, uh, just doing a great job in that scene. So in that scene, Bullock is basically requesting his own special task force yes. to hunt Batman, who they believe is the one terrorizing the city. Apparently a bunch of pharmacies or pharmaceutical companies have been broken into. Very notably, there's a pattern. Bullock is asking for permission from the mayor to assemble a task force because Gordon will not give him permission. Yeah. Now, we the viewer know that Gordon uh has a relationship with batman but it's not been established in the series no, yet and there's yet. no
1: no bat signal no in bat this episode signal. no bat signal yet and and yeah no gordon i think that's that's something that will happen later so gordon yet doesn't trust batman at this point point. and i love how it's like oh there's a giant bat hurting people well it's clearly the batman <laughs> there's no right. way there's another character named man bat flying right. around
0: yeah we we clearly have a sense that Batman has not really earned the trust of everybody no. yet, even though firmly this, he's a mid career Batman in yes. the show. He's a, maybe a mid to late thirties Batman. Yeah,
1: he's definitely been Batman for a while, but yeah. he, it's still there's still almost a myth about him. There is, you know, uh, among the so people. much so
0: that people could conceivably say like, yes. oh, Batman attacks pharmacies at night <laughs> yeah, and and, and attacks security guards. Yeah, and
1: and you know he's also a giant bat. Right. So that's very reminiscent of the the movie. Mm-hmm. with uh, Robert Wool's character. Yes. Oh, uh, Knox, uh, Knox, the Knox, best character. the best character in that movie. They say he drinks blood. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, where they kind of, you know, they have that whole kind of uh, moment where they think that um, Batman's actually a giant bat. So, <laughs> you know, wh- what can you do? The people of Gotham, unfortunately, uh, kind of live in a in a permanent war zone. So I can see why right. they're a little touchy.
0: Right. Um, so our next scene is an establishing shot of Wayne Manor, but it's not from the front of Wayne Manor. It's, no. It's from sort of the back or side of Wayne Manor from where you presume the cave is. Yes. And we've got the water there, and we've got, like, rocks, and it looks like the, <laughs> like the rocks for a cave. It's a really cool shot. Yeah. It absolutely looks like the... It sort of looks like the evil Dracula castle yeah, right, yeah, up, on, up like, on the hill. it's kind of
1: like Wayne is kind of like— Very much the house on the hill, yeah. Very much the—yeah, the big dark house on the hill.
0: Right. Uh, and then we're—that's it. We're in the Batcave. Yeah. No, no gilding the lily. They're like, nope, we're, nope. we're right in the Batcave. We have, Batman is reading, very notably, the same exact newspaper yep. that they were reading in, in the mayor's office. Um, And then Alfred comes in. I have to make reference to this. Uh, the voice actor playing Alfred in this episode is an actor named Clive Revel, yeah. who will do Alfred for, I think, the first like three-ish episodes. Yeah. And then it becomes, of course, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., who yes. will do Alfred for the rest of the series. Yes. Um, this Alfred is a lot more dry Yes. and a lot more sort of bitchy Mm -hmm. (laughs) right everything is a zinger yep yep and nothing affects him no no
1: (laughs) it's still great he's kind of exhausted he's exhausted
0: yeah um and uh he's batman's reading the newspaper just from the headline alfred says i gather you've been reading how to make friends and influence people (laughs) i'm like all right this is the kind of alfred energy we're getting um batman is doing actual detective work already yes He's noticed the pattern of pharmaceuticals robberies that you know certain chemicals have been stolen. And um, notably, it doesn't seem like it was a bat that robbed all the pharmacies. because yeah. some of these pharmacy robberies are the, apparently just a human has yeah. done the robberies. Yeah. So this really tips Batman off that uh, maybe uh, maybe a human accomplice, something more is going on here. Um, and sadly, Alfred, of course, must cancel plans with Bambi.
1: Yeah, I feel like this is just an ongoing trend with Bruce Wayne. <laughs> it's like, he he's such a flake because he's always Batman.
0: Right. Uh, Bambi, a perfect name to pick. Of just course. A, just an obvious course. sort of bimbo name. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's where we're at. Um, we get a, a, I guess the best transition scene in the episode. This is the debut of the Batmobile.
1: This Batmobile is great. I'm a big fan. of How this How do we Batmobile. feel
0: about you? You like it? I like this. Oh, Batmobile. I do too. I to like be clear. this
1: Batmobile a lot. I love when the Batmobile. It is
0: the big penis rocket.
1: Yeah, it totally is. I like it to yeah, be clear, yes. but it is
0: a penis rocket.
1: You know, it, it, yes, you're not wrong. That's exactly what it is. But it's um, it is it is long. It's a very long <laughs> Batmobile.
0: It's a long black Batmobile.
1: That, that it is. But it is
0: the biggest blackest Batmobile. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think it's as good as the Burton Batmobile.
0: It's uh, the Burton Batmobile is my favorite Batmobile. Yes, I think it's to the, be clear. The
1: Burton Batmobile is the best, and I think this one takes a little bit, a couple of cues from the Burton Batmobile.
0: This one's like structured doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it's got this incredibly long nose, which I think is supposed to remind us of like a.
1: Like an old Cadillac or like one old, of those like a, old
0: cars, like an old rolls or something yeah. that has like a crazy name. Like yeah. they used to be called those cars like Phantasms and Spirits yeah, and yeah, whatever yeah, the hell yeah, they yeah, called yeah. them. I forget the name of the car Wraith. You yeah, know, Wraith and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um and that's that's the idea behind it. But it's got this incredibly long hood, and I guess you're thinking like, oh, maybe there's multiple engines out there. there. Maybe. Right? Of course, it has that rocket in the back.
1: Yeah, of course, because it's the Batmobile. But it's just like it can only really fit him, no, and, and maybe and one other person,
0: Robin. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, it's it's. But you know what? It looks great.
1: It looks great on on, uh, and it animates well. And I really do think it's better than a lot of the later Batmobiles we will get, sure. especially when Batman, you know, kind of drives a uh, when he's when he's driving like. When Batman's driving like an an urban tank. Yes. You know, it's kind of like... I was never a fan uh, of the Tumblr tank. I really was not. I'm not a fan of the Tumblr. I forget what the Ben Affleck Batmobile looked like, but I remember not loving it. At first, I didn't like the the Pattinson... Oh, the Beast. The Beast, but... I do like the Beast. I like it a lot, and the reason why I like the Beast a lot is because that version of Batman and Bruce Wayne is clearly into retro muscle cars for sure it's a street racer it's a street racer and he drives bruce wayne in his life in the movie the batman sorry we're we're breaking the uh we're we're kind of going off topic here. this is an all batman
0: all all batman podcast
1: all batman podcast when he's driving around as bruce wayne he drives around an old 60s corvette so this is a guy that like it makes sense like of course he he modded up an old charger right because it's like oh yeah he likes old school street muscle. Yeah. So that works for that. And so I actually do dig that Batmobile quite a bit. I do like the Beast. I like, I, I like the yeah. Beast. Um, but this Batmobile is, is good. It's up there in terms of design for me. I like it. it's also it's a very
0: simple design which is nice. Yes. Also great toy. Uh, great toy. And um, that transition scene really... It's some of the most beautiful animation in the episode. You've got those beautiful painted backgrounds. um, And it's very cinematic. Um, Old movies, of course, would actually use big painted backdrops. Yeah, old matte paintings. Matte paintings. And this is basically that. Which is Um, unbelievable. And this show establishes, not for the last time, that there's kind of like these caves or mountains outside of gotham yeah which is not something that ever is ever included again but like that's kind of where wayne manor is yeah it's seaside it's kind of its own island there's this cave network it's it's pretty cool yeah uh it looks great and then we do a full transition of how the batmobile actually gets into the city and then of course it's batman going to investigate in person at phoenix labs so that's our next scene is going back to the laboratory um, we see him use the grappling hook for the first time. He has a zip line, which is actually something we don't see a ton of. But he has a zip line here. We get um, two flirty oh, lab boy. technicians because we're still doing the horror movie oh, of thing. Of course, of course. I'm like, oh, not again. <laughs> he's back. <laughs> he's back. He's back. Oh, that's wait a second. That's a different Batman. Exactly, because Batman Shadow, of course, reminds them of the ba- the Man Bat silhouette, so they call the cops. Um, and then Batman uses sleeping gas. Uh, A sleeping gas bomb on the police officer that's on guard that goes through the police line. A
1: lot of ninja stuff.
0: A lot of ninja stuff. A lot of
1: ninja stuff stuff in this episode. A lot of Batman throwing gas pellets and throwing grappling things and all that stuff. Which is great. I feel like...
0: So the Burton film, he absolutely had the utility belt, and he used it. He didn't use it that much. No, no. The utility belt actually was probably most used, other than the comics, in the Adam West series. Yeah. Was when he always had whatever he needed. Shark repellent. (laughs) Shark repellent, famously. Um... So we get the basically calling all cars yeah. on Detective Bullock over his uh, his CB. Uh, he assembles that task force. That the uh, I'm assembling the task force to take out the Batman. Sure. Uh, he asks for squad cars, a SWAT team, and choppers. Yeah. So now we have helicopters as well, which is a weird 1930s sort of anachronism. Yes. I feel like there were not a lot of helicopters in the 1930s. <laughs> Probably
1: not. Probably not. Um, Multiple blimps, though, and I I think. I think this
0: is the scene, or this is right before the scene, where we see the SWAT toaster for the first yeah. time, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. completely impractical. It's shaped like a truck shaped like a toaster that opens from the top down. Hup, 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 hup. And then the soldiers go hop up. hup, hup, yep. hup. Yep. I listened to an interview with Andrea Romano where she's like, you know, Bruce and I rewatched a couple of the early episodes, including On Leather Wings, and they said one of the things they regretted most was that they animated the soldiers' mouths to move so that they had to fill it with hop, 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 They up, should up, have up. just been silent. Yeah, it's a little silly for the show. It's a little silly. Um, so we see, oh my God, actual detective work.
1: Yep. Wow. Something we don't typically see in Batman movies. What is
0: he using in this scene? I wrote, oh, down, that, I wrote like, down
1: that he was using infrared mist
0: and special goggles, but that actually doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah, I think he's kind of using some sort of, it's almost like a black light okay. to see where, but it's red.
0: Is it because he doesn't want to turn on the
1: lights? What is he doing? I think it might just be because he wants to see, He he's looking for like a footprint or something, isn't he? He's, I think, yes, he's looking for anything. For anything. So right. I think he's just looking for any sort of thing that's displaced. Maybe he doesn't want to turn on the lights. I don't know. I think it's just a cool gadget. They're like, ah, Batman spray It's a cool gadget. I, I mean,
0: for me, it signaled like, oh, it's going to be a, an action scene. Yep. And uh, and we're getting some detective work at the top. And we care about yes. the fact that Batman does detective yes. work. Yes. So he finds a couple things that are important in this scene. He finds the voice recorder mm-hmm. that was dropped in the uh, first scene. Um, he's hearing the police sirens, so he knows he has to hurry up. He finds broken chemical vials. Uh, just about the time that Bullock's squad arrives, uh, Bullock sends them in. Uh, Gordon is also there, and he's clearly still not happy no. that Bullock is pressing down so hard on Batman. But never at any point in this episode does Gordon say, this guy's a good guy. Yeah. We're not going to get that yet. Yeah. At least not for, is maybe in the second episode, I don't remember.
1: No, no, definitely not for a little bit. Right.
0: Um so gordon informs bullock that at the same time this is happening at the same time that they they've cornered batman thinking that they have man bat um another pharmaceutical factory across town is being robbed yeah and that man bat has been spotted a- across there so gordon actually says to bullock that he's got the wrong suspect so i get this sequence where it's batman versus bullock's totally inept tactical squad um batman breaks into an elevator shaft leaving behind some knockout gas uh, he moves down from the fourth floor, evading the gunfire, the tear gas. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the tactical squad tries to use a gas grenade on him yeah. that they roll in too close to some explosive canisters. So Batman, proving that he's the hero, scoops up a guard that would have been utterly killed by oh, that yeah. explosion. I mean, he, would
1: have been, he would have been blown to bits. Right,
0: and escapes through a window with him, leaving him safely. And then Batman sort of runs down yeah. an alley. Um, This scene reminded me so much of like, There are so many Batman comics, and even just, this is like the Dark Knight, where it's just like, yeah, the cops hunt Batman like he's a dog, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, So we have this very adversarial relationship with the police, though we are getting clear, not just subtext, we're getting clear text from Gordon that he doesn't want Batman pursued.
1: No, no, this is clearly not the person we're going after.
0: Right. Then we get... I think our most interesting location oh yes the Gotham Zoo the Gotham Zoo where we find out of course Bruce Wayne owns part of, of the Gotham Zoo uh,
1: and also once again doubling down on the deco aesthetic super deco yeah. and we
0: get this um, the, the bat house at the zoo is shaped like a tit yep <laughs> For whatever reason. I don't know if that was a 30s thing or is that a now thing?
1: I don't know.
0: Listeners, you could write in if you know that is true. Does the bat house at the zoo, is that shaped like a tit in real life? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I have to go to a bunch of bat houses to find us out.
0: (laughs) Um, We meet the red herring of this episode, who is Dr. March. Yes. Dr. March, who is the bat expert.
1: Who is like... Yeah, he's a red herring. He's you,
0: just tired you, of your shit. You
1: meet this guy for three <laughs> seconds, you're like, oh, he's clearly turning into a giant bat and messing people up, because he's like, what are, you, what are you bothering the bat for?
0: Right, total red herring. He's so angry. He's also voiced by legendary stage actor René Aubergenois. Yeah who I adore, I saw him in one of his last Broadway shows, which was Sly Fox with Richard Dreyfuss, I love this actor, a million television shows and TV series, and he's one of literally hundreds of Broadway yeah. uh, stage actors and West End actors who were cast by Andrea Romano to yeah. play parts in the series, she really likes stage actors.
1: I think it works. Yeah. I think and we, it works. We're going to
0: talk about Conroy at the end of this episode, because yeah. he's a, a huge part of this, obviously, but like... I heard that voice of Dr. March and I was like this is very good. Yeah. Um so he's <laughs> irritated irritated at the billionaire, the billionaire Bruce Wayne who is using a voice that is not Batman's voice. Yeah,
1: it's his the transition between Bruce Wayne and Batman is noticeable. Yeah. And it's great. And, it, you know, obviously, you know, you've got Kevin Conroy is a Juilliard-trained actor. Yeah, sure is. You know, uh, ex-roommates, right, with With Robin Williams.
0: Right, which is wild.
1: Wild, wild. Uh, that first that class is is crazy if you look it up. I forget who's in it, but those two are definitely in it. And it's just amazing to see, like, he looks at Batman. It's like, no, no, Batman has two, like, he should have two voices. This is technically mm-hmm. two characters. Right. And that's the one thing we always say about Batman, when movies come out, it's like, oh, it was a good Batman, bad Bruce Wayne. Or it was a good Bruce Wayne, bad Batman. Right, it's two parts. It's two parts, really. And I think Kevin Conroy understands that. And I think he must have understood the character to some incredible degree that he knew to do that. And Bruce Wayne is, like, kind of cheerful, kind of like... He's not, like, gruff or mean or nasty at all. He's kind of this, like, cheerful, happy-go-lucky billionaire guy... You know, Dr. March is giving him serious attitude, and he's like he doesn't even react to it. He's like, all right, well, uh, I'm going to give you some money next time, you know?
0: Sure. Actually, let's pause here to talk about Conroy since you brought it up, and you brought up he's a a Juilliard graduate. So um, Conroy was was an Andrea Romano hire. Yeah, That's someone she got specifically. They had this call where they had cast everyone in the show except for Batman, and they they had auditioned at that point, I think she said, 500 people to be Batman and called back 100. Wow. And we're really stuck, like, because it's it's someone you have to be able to listen to for hundreds of episodes. He has to totally get it. He has to be a good actor. She's leaning towards people that have stage experience. And she's asking around, and someone eventually recommends to her Kevin Conroy. Yeah. And he comes in on callbacks, and she's sitting there with Bruce Tim, and they hear his voice, and they both, like, look at each other, Like, like, oh, my God, like, elementally, this is the one. And she said what really sold him... Uh, For her, was that he asked really good questions, and his take on the character was this, which actually gives me a chill up my spine when I hear, this was Kevin Conroy's initial take on the character, which is so absolutely what he's doing. He says, well, and this is a Juilliard-trained actor, he says, well, Batman is Hamlet. Yeah. Batman's parents, in this case both parents, are killed. He has to get revenge, but the person or the thing that he wants to get revenge on is out of his reach right? He can't really get direct revenge in a way that is satisfying. So he has to uh, kind of take matters into his own hands, but it's always sort of indirect and he never quite gets over it. And the manner in which Batman does things is very theatrical, very much in the manner that Hamlet in Hamlet Mm -hmm. creates this play within a play where actors play parts to catch the guilty party. And here we have uh, Batman Hamlet, who's very much like an actor in costume, who becomes like a spirit of vengeance to strike fear into the hearts of others in the same way that Hamlet tries to strike fear into the heart of Claudius to try to get him to reveal his cowardly and supernatural nature, which is exactly what we say about the villains of Batman, a cowardly and superstitious lot.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, incredibly astute. From uh, Kevin Conroy's perspective, and we have to say Kevin Conroy is a Long Island native from Westbury, and so's Andrea Romano. Yeah, Andrea Romano is from Eastern Long Island. Eastern Long Island. Kevin Conroy grew up a town, a town, ta- one town west of where I grew up. So, um, pretty cool. He's yeah. from Westbury, New York. So,
0: and what what an actor! He also, and I feel like this is not talked about a lot. Um, he has a very sexy voice. Yeah. The Batman voice isn't just cool; it's like very sexual.
1: And I feel like that kind of vibe uh, kind of extends the whole series because I think it does. That well, is... you need
0: him to be very attractive, yeah, also.
1: But it's it's and it's not just Batman. I think a lot of the series, the series kind of has as much as you can pack of that into it without with while it's still being a kid show. Sure. Um, I think I think that's I think Bruce Tim's designs are very much geared towards kind of like this '30s pulp femme fatale kind of thing. They sure. feel like you know, it feels like that's kind of how this whole series kind of feels like and I think that voice works perfectly for what um, Bruce, Tim, and Paul Dini were trying to do.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So yeah, we meet Dr. March. He's a, a crazy, crazy, crazy guy. Yeah. He uh, is dealing with entitled billionaire Bruce Wayne who has brought him a hair sample.
1: Yeah, I found these hair, (laughs) these bats in my body.
0: Yeah, he's thinking that there's bats in his chimney. Dr. March can't believe that he, a serious scientist, has to deal with this billionaire who has bats in his chimney. Like, Might as well just call pest control. But March does not want the bats harmed because bats are survivors (laughs) and they're going to survive, quote unquote, the next evolutionary cataclysm, which absolutely sounds like this guy's the villain. This guy's a bat. This guy's the villain. He's going to bring about the next evolutionary cataclysm.
1: He sounds like the lizard sounds in the Spider-Man movies. (laughs) That's completely true. Oh, you could be greater. Right.
0: Um... And then we meet two characters that, for me, come totally out of left field. The designs on these characters couldn't be stranger. We have March's daughter, Dr. Francine Langstrom. Yep. She corrects Bruce yes. from Mrs. to Doctor. And her husband, Kirk Langstrom. And these two are very striking because, other than Bruce Wayne, these are the two like best-looking people we've seen on the show. They're both very, very good-looking. Yes,
1: yes. Almost like, I, I feel like that was intentional.
0: Right, and for scientists, it's a little like, really, these two are scientists, and really good shoulder pads, great shoulder pads. They're both tens, <laughs> yeah. and they walk in, and you're like, who are these people? Right,
1: and, and even even Bruce Wayne's like, oh, hello.
0: Yeah. Um. So Wayne then reveals his trump card that he has the recorded sound of the bats on the voice recorder. It's of course the same voice recorder from earlier, um, and the man bat sound is just hideous. Yeah, it's right? horrific. It actually reminded me a little bit of like the dinosaur squeals from Jurassic yeah. Park or yeah, something like that, Yeah, like, yeah. That. like the Raptor call. Right. Uh, this is one of the best moments in the episode. Uh, Francine Langstrom reacts to the sound with alarm. Yep. You could actually see like her eyebrows raise her, her jaw drops open. Kirk Langstrom doesn't react. No, he's too cool. He's too cool. His face is not animated to react to the sound to him. It's just, Oh, whatever. And of course I'd seen the episode and I knew this already, but I was like, you know what? Someone really smart can pick up on that. That like that animation is just like, yeah, he's not, he has a poker face on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, really, really cool.
1: My question with it, though, is, like, what is what is Langstrom thinking, right? Is he thinking, like, how did he get this sound?
0: He's probably thinking that. Uh, I don't know that he plans to do anything about it, because yeah. as we'll find out soon, Langstrom's really close to just completely finishing his yeah. evil plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or quote-unquote evil plot. We could talk about how evil yeah, this scheme is actually he, is. or just
1: looking to turn himself yeah, into
0: a Yeah, I mean, on the spectrum of evil schemes, uh... Kirk Langstrom's aims are pretty low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really just to turn himself into a bat, yeah, which, is, which is very <laughs> I mean, much, which
1: is very much, you know,
0: right. Hilarious. This is only like one level up from I did it for the money. money. Right. This is not. Um, this is not super devious, but yeah. it's it's he's hurting people. So That yes. is bad. Yes. Um, Kirk claims Kirk, Kirk Langstrom claims that the animal behavior people have a sound library and maybe they can identify the sound that's on the tape. But of course, he knows it's himself, so he will not be looking into it too closely. We're back to the bat cave Batman's analyzing the sound on his computer the bat computer um, Alfred jokes that Batman's listening to rock and roll music <laughs> which is a fun another funny Alfred line and it's also another anachronism because yeah. of course no rock in the 30s um, dr. March does call Bruce to identify his problem he lies yeah he says you have bats Mr. Wayne common brown bats and they're apparently fighting with birds starlings uh, yeah. in the chimney. And Batman is thinking like, why is March lying? Who's he covering for? And now, as a viewer, you're thinking, well, it's it's definitely Doctor March. Oh, of course, of course. That's Um, like
1: you said, it's the big red herring. Right. I also like that Batman puts on his Bruce Wayne voice (laughs) when he answers the phone. When he answers the phone, (laughs) and he's still in the whole Batman getup. And I I thought it was it was uh, it was very jarring, but like in a good way, because you're hearing Conroy's Bruce Wayne uh, while Batman's fully dressed as Batman. So it's like something doesn't make sense here but it's like he's intentionally putting on the the batman the uh, bruce wayne voice and like wayne's wayne like i said before he's like softer he's nicer he's less intense and he makes the immediate transition to batman once the call is done once again giving us this whole vibe that like batman is who the character actually is and bruce wayne is the mask
0: absolutely yeah, which is so smart. Yes. Um, our next scene is back at the Gotham Zoo, specifically the laboratory. And if this were a movie-length uh, episode, they would have waited much longer for this reveal. Yeah. But because it's a you know it's a twenty-two minute episode, uh, we get right into Kirk Langstrom. Yeah. And this is very much like the Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde scene yeah. where he's burning the tape, he's burning the hair sample. Um. There is a, a little bat in a, a cage in this lab and he's you know reacting sort of unhappily to the things that are being burnt. Yeah. Um I had a moment to think like, why are you using a Bunsen burner to burn things? This doesn't seem like the best way to dispose of evidence. Yeah, it's not That's a great so idea.
1: And um we're watching the episode, Amanda and I were watching the episode, and we have this moment where we're like, How come every cartoon <laughs> Every cartoon lab looks like this, <laughs>
0: right? Yeah, there's
1: stuff like tipped over and there's glass. Right, stuff. it's always like the bubbling Erlenmeyer yeah, like,
0: flask and like yeah, yeah, right. And,
1: and it's like every show does it. Doesn't yeah, matter right. if it's a superhero show, Dexter's Laboratory. Yeah, put some, uh, put some Bunsen burner. Yeah, get a bunch of burner so, yeah. and a couple of uh, graduated cylinders and a flask, and uh, that's a <laughs> daddy science. Absolutely. It's like it's like it's like it's telling the the kids right because we're children watching the show. The show was meant for children, right? It's kind of like, hey, kids, this is science. It you know, absolutely it is. Has this is that, science. This is science.
0: Um, listen, he drinks some chemicals. Yeah, he turns uh, to a bat. Right. Just like Jekyll and Hyde. I, I, there are really two references in this episode. It's, it's of course, the Wolfman. Wolfman, yeah. And Jekyll and Hyde would be the other one. Not the
1: Man-Wolf, though. He's on a different publishing house. Not the Man-Wolf, house. that's yeah, right. That's, yeah.
0: we, will, that's, we will not We will not be discussing anymore. more right. of John we,
1: Jameson on this show.
0: <laughs> Every episode of this is going to almost be a Marvel podcast, and we just have to try to stay away. <laughs>
1: We're going to stay away. We don't have any intentions of covering Marvel stuff right now. This is not, mostly yet. Batman not yet. Just not yet. We'll see.
0: We'll see how this goes. Um, so Batman shows up. He gets a sample for himself, and he mm-hmm. does wait to confront Langstrom. Maybe he still believes that Dr. March is behind this, but March is, according to Langstrom, away giving a lecture on human extinction. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> being... I want I want that episode where this guy comes back. I know,
1: I know. As I want... like
0: the bat king. Yeah, or something I like am that.
1: the bat king. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um and then Kirk Langstrom gives what we will identify as a full supervillain monologue, yep. right? Where he claims I'm gonna do the best I can. And he's saying this as his face is being distorted through the chemical flasks and beakers. That's that's the shot. He claims that Dr. March didn't have the guts to go through with his own plans, <laughs> and he speaks about the formula to create a new species, neither man nor bat, and he's taken it himself, and now he's addicted. He can't, he can't stop, and he doesn't want to stop. Yeah. I, it I, has taken over, but can I say this? Normally, in a show like this, or like a story like this, the scientist is upset yeah. that the chemicals have done this to him. Langstrom is thrilled. He loves it. He loves it.
1: This dude loves being a bat. <laughs> He loves being a giant bat, and he's kind of like... Uh, he's like kinda like the Dr. March. He's like, see March, you didn't have the guts. I'm right. a bat now.
0: Right. Now of course I knew this was coming. What surprised me though is how much havoc he wreaks when he transforms. Yeah. So of course it's a by the way, a terrifying transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we get the the jaw expands, it's very jittery. We get like big teeth coming down and everything. It's like it's disgusting. Yeah. Um very uh American werewolf, like yeah, the, the, yeah, that yeah, the kind yeah, of expansion yeah, of the, yeah. the palate and all yeah. that stuff. Um but then he transforms and he destroys the lab. Yes. Right, he go and rips off all his clothes, oh, and I'm cool. like, "This dude has not figured out how to safely transform yet." I'm like, "Wait, so every time he transforms, he destroys the room he's in?" Yeah, like, like wouldn't th- someone have caught th- th- on?
1: Hey, man, what's going on here? Oh, well, uh, you know, I had a rough night.
0: Right, and the only thing
1: not destroyed is, is his pants, his pants, his pants. Uh, you know, pants are invincible. In fact, not even torn. No, they're actually in perfect working order. And Mike,
0: are they jeans? They are blue. I think they're jeans. I think I. I think Langstrom's rocking jeans.
1: Yeah. You know, I think he's... (laughs) And this is like before... This is like before... Before that was okay. That was before that was okay. And also before there, we had stretchy skinny jeans. So there's no spandex in these jeans. He
0: made stretchy skinny jeans a thing before it was a thing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, maybe he created them because he was like, well, I'm going to be a bat. So I might as well wear these cool Uh, jeans.
0: So that was the real breakthrough. Was not becoming Man Bat. It was creating stretch skinny jeans. Of course. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, Francine walks in to see this happening which is actually like a huge callback to the comics. Yeah. And Man Bat's relationship with his wife and his shame over his transformations and stuff because the comics will tell a very different story about that marriage. Um, Francine walks in and sees him and gasp, and you see that Man Bat is capable of human feeling. He's ashamed. He's like, yeah, he like uh, cringes when he Aww. sees her. He feels bad. You feel bad, like looking at him. He Look looks like what he's I've so sad. Become. Well, exactly. That is the face yeah. he gives. Um, he goes to fly away. Batman grapples his legs, of course, with the grappling gun, um, and then this yet another broken with This is all broken windows. This episode. This is the <laughs> all broken windows episode of Batman Um and then we get like one of the most beautiful shots in the whole series oh, the... which is man bat flying up against a full moon of course cuz yes. werewolf reference um, with batman grappled to his legs and they do this great flyover with, like their, really with their with cool, their like, images in front up
1: and down swoop you know the batman being f- dragged through the city in the sky by something but man bat being one of them is kind of like a motif that we see a lot right and man bat is terrifying Uh, I always get brought to Arkham Knight. That's the best moment in that game. One of the best moments in that game where Arkham Knight, you'll be flying through. This is a video game, folks, for those of you who don't play (laughs) video games. Um, There's a scene, there's a part of Arkham Knight. Arkham Knight's an open world Batman adventure game. Right. And you're flying through the sky and it happens at random. You'll you'll cling to a roof as Batman and as you go to climb up onto the roof, Man-Bat just screams in your face and then you have to chase (laughs) Man-Bat around the city. And it's very I nearly inve- shit myself. Oh, the first time I saw it, I was like, wah! Yeah, it was like one of the best jump scares I've had in video games in years. Yeah, and I like threw the controller down. But like, I want to say that those games are fully, fully based off of the animated series. Absolutely, and that version of Man Bat is definitely that whole thing is definitely um, uh, a purpose, a purposeful reference to this first episode of the animated series. For, I totally
0: agree. Yeah. Um, so we, we are almost done with the episode We get back to the Gotham Era 1 blimp It's, yes. it's the same blimp again uh, We get the, the the second policeman Oh, not again Yeah. Um, Batman crashes into the blimp um, The idiot cop, of course, thinks that uh, Batman is the one who's the threat So, of course, Bullock and Gordon are on this now Bullock tries to get into the chopper um, Gordon has already kind of commandeered it And kind of wants to call off this operation Because he realizes now that it's not Batman Who's the culprit Yes um so they're they're in the chopper
1: yeah and bullock has you know a moment where he almost falls out of the chopper it does i really hope he did i just i just want to want to bring something up where we can differentiate here between dc and marvel and oh, i'm sure, not yeah. looking mm-hmm. to villainize start a fucking uh, war yeah exactly i'm not looking to start a war here between the two i obviously love both comic book sides i'm actually more of a marvel guy in general so, me bringing this up is, is uh, you know, I'm not trying to take a dig at Marvel. I'm just showing how they're different. Batman sees the man bat and has no reaction. <laughs> Correct. He kind of is just like, Batman's reaction to the insanity that happens around Gotham all the time yes. is to not react and just to kind of go... Yep. He just breathes and does what he has to do. And this is how we know it's
0: mid-career Batman. Yes,
1: because he's exhausted, almost. He's
0: exhausted. He has no real reaction to Man-Bat. And in a a moment, we're going to talk about the scene where he actually brings Man-Bat back to the Batcave. Yeah. Alfred also has no reaction. So that means they've dealt with weirder shit. Yeah, they've
1: dealt with weird stuff. It's like okay, this guy now if this was a Marvel movie, it'd been like, Oh um, guy's a bat. Okay, here we go. And there would have been a bunch of quips. You would have had like Paul Rudd being like, What? What? People can be a bat? They can be big? How come I can't be a big bat? Like it would just go on and on. It would go on, they would be they would have and you know, we like we like Marvel for that stuff. And those characters, you know, Spider Man has to say something. Right. But in this in in Batman, no, Batman's kinda he's kinda over it. He's he also kind of over he's it He's too old for this he's, shit Yeah he's getting too old for it But at the same time It's not that he's just like He's almost desensitized You know yep. It's like he's desensitized Because he just doesn't react to A giant A giant man's Bigger than a man's Totally bat.
0: Yep And it's totally mid-career Batman Of just being like I've seen a lot
1: Yeah I've seen a lot no, I'm just gonna <laughs> Right I'm just gonna reaction, get through this My reaction to this giant Mutated Batman Is to just throw my bat around his <laughs> right. leg And fly around the city
0: Um, We get the conclusion of this air battle between uh, Batman and Man-Bat, which is way more violent than I thought it was going to be, and more violent than other fights are later in the series, Um, because we basically get Batman sort of mounts Man-Bat, so he gets from a position where he's uh, dangling from his feet. Climbs up to Man-Bat and actually like gets on his back and is actually like pummeling Man-Bat like fist to face. Now,
1: I will say this much. I think the reason why they can get away with that in this show is because Man-Bat is, is a not a human. He he's a, a monster. Yeah. So I think you're 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 allowed to kind of get away with more of that because he's a big monster man.
0: Sure. Uh, we get a lot of like, you know, sort of uh, angles going crazy. They're fighting through the sky. Batman is bloodied. His, his, yeah. his He's bleeding from the mouth and nose. Yeah. Uh, I think the nose. Yeah. Um, and he eventually blinds Manbat, like puts his hands or his arms over Manbat's eyes, and Manbat crashes into a building. That's which, how he actually knocks Which him
1: out. I gather Manbat doesn't use sonar. Well, that's the thing. Right? I was
0: like, oh, you're covering his eyes. And I was like, I don't think
1: Manbat should have to see to get around. He's a bat. Okay. All right, listen, we're getting a little well, too. We'll buy it. The episode's it's,
0: almost over, it's right? A kid, it's a kid show. <laughs> exactly. He knocks into the building. Um, the light from the police chopper lights a beautiful shot. Where Batman carries the larger man bat away yeah. off into the building. And then we just get this kind of um, cut off into um, the Batcave. Batcave. Um, is there anything else we wanted to mention about that action sequence or anything like that?
1: I just think it's great. I think it's, it's incredibly well done. It's incredibly animated. It's action-packed. It's scored perfectly. It just feels like, you know, it feels like it's got the production of a film.
0: It does. Yeah. You know? um, Yep, we have the the final two scenes of the episode. So the first one's in the Batcave. It's short. We got yeah. the last Alfred Zinger. Two for dinner, sir, right? For dinner. As Alfred does not react at all to Man Bat. I no. think Alfred is dead inside. What's
1: hilarious is like, <laughs> it's like, it's so, it only works because it's Alfred and Batman. Right. And Batman also doesn't really react to any of Alfred's like no. snarkiness. He's, no, he doesn't. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's, it's almost in the vein of... Of the Batman with Robert Pattinson where right. like Robert Pattinson is like almost aggressively ignoring what, Ro- what uh, Alfred says. right? Andy Circus says. He's kind of like, yeah, well, I really he, don't it's, care.
0: What Andy Circus says is for us. Yeah. It's for the audience. And for Andy Serkis. Right. Totally.
1: <laughs> like Alfred's his own best audience, you know? A- absolutely.
0: Um, so I- I'm actually sort of encouraged or sort of heartened by the fact that at least in this episode, Alfred it's like Alfred too, just like Batman. Yeah. It's just like he does not internalize any of the trauma. He does not uh, get into the horror of what they do. He's just like, well, another day, another man bat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of where he's at. It's like next week he's going to bring home a wolf man. You yeah. Know? It's like whatever. Um,
0: so Batman thinks he can reverse the effects of the formula in Kirk's body uh, with the bat computer's help, of course. And he's looking at the sort of list of stolen chemical items. And it's important to note that Batman has prevented Langstrom from what taking whatever the final component yeah. would have been to fully yeah. turn him into Man-Bat yeah. forever. That has been stopped. That said, uh, this is not the last time we see Man-Bat on the show. And the next time we see him, he's basically trying to do something very similar.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so put a pin in Man-Bat, not yeah. the last time you'll see him.
1: Man-Bat, you know, obviously, obviously Killer Croc is the... Similar character, similar character, but he's also the also analog- good pants, great pants. Yep. Oh, um, he's more of an analog of the lizard. Yes, but I do feel like Manbat and Kirk Langstrom and Kirk Connors and the lizard are similar because they're scientists who are doing this to themselves to kind of make themselves better. Sure, you know, I
0: will say Kurt. Again, not, not, I love Man Bat. So before I say this, this is with love. Kirk Connors is a better character. Yes. Kirk Connors has more to him. He has a relationship with Peter. So he has a relationship with the hero. He doesn't have an arm, right? So that is kind of how that whole business comes about. Man Bat is just kind of. Cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> right. Just and like, wants I, to be I, I a wanna, bat. I want to be a bat. Right. His humanity comes from that he has this wife, wife that yeah. loves him, and he feels like he's wronged her by becoming this thing. Also,
1: also brilliantly shown in the video games as well. Uh, uh totally. Any of the man Francine's a great character yeah. who,
0: of course, will go through her own transformation yes. Yes, stuff. Yes. Yeah, Yes. Um, that was a spoiler. Um, what? So. This show's 30 years old. Well, yeah, exactly. You've had time. Uh, uh, our final scene takes place, the, uh, place at the Gotham Zoo. So Batman literally returns uh, Kirk Langstrom to Francine. Yeah. Very horror movie style where he's like wrapped in a shroud. Yeah, and and like... he like pulls back the face to reveal a man and not a beast. Um, he's human again. She asks Batman if he will change again. And he tells her very notably, it's over for now. For now.
1: And now, I don't know if that's because Batman doesn't realize whether or not the serum he made will work. Or he just figures Kurt. Kirk Langstrom will try to transform himself again. Totally the latter. You're right. Yeah. I think yeah.
0: in his analysis of what this guy's up to, having heard his yeah. villains monologue, yeah. he's like, this is not really over. He'll no, keep working no. to do He's going to
1: do this until he until he becomes the right.
0: bat. Uh, and then, yeah, the very last shot of the episode is Batman is carrying Kirk back towards the, the bat lab at <laughs> the zoo, the giant tit, right? The yeah. bat house. And, and Francine follows him in. And that's that's the full ending to the episode. We, we roll credits.
1: Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. yeah, had that great credit roll music. Yeah. With.
0: We actually talked about all the people that were already in this episode. Yes. Um, I just want to shout out uh, Meredith McRae plays Francine.
1: Yeah. She's great.
0: And Mark Singer, the legendary Mark Singer, is uh, Man Bat. Yeah. And they will reprise those roles in later episodes.
1: Which is what's great about this show is that we do tend to see these characters again and again and again. Yeah. Which is really, really nice.
0: Absolutely. Um
1: all right, so just the episode in
0: its entire Mike any closing thoughts for on Leather Wings?
1: Yeah, like, you know, I'm just going to reiterate what I said. It's a great intro episode. If you start here, if you want to do the production order and follow us, I think this is a great way to start. It introduces you to a villain that people might not be as familiar with. Right. But for a villain to start a show, you need very little to explain Man Bat. Right. You don't need to be. You don't need. Well, first of all, Joker's background and 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 history is completely unexplainable, mm-hmm. right? And we've kind of learned with Batman over the years that you don't want to rush to Joker because then Joker is a vacuum. You put Joker also, in Joker's anything... Also, Joker's such a scene stealer. Yeah. You
0: know, if you start with him, it hardly is a Batman thing yeah, anymore. Actually, that's kind of what the 89 Batman suffers from is that yeah. it's Nicholson's movie. Yeah,
1: it's kind of his movie. And the Joker kind of takes all the air out of the room because he's so good. And Mark Hamill's performance is obviously legendary at sure. this point. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best thing he's done. Sorry, Star Wars. <laughs> Sorry, Luke Skywalker. Um, but... I obviously What, love.
0: not Hobgoblin? Oh, oh, it's the same voice. Not Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, where he plays, I believe, a character named
1: Knocker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he was the trickster, so... He was the trickster. He was the trickster. Yes, yes. respect to the trickster. Yes, uh, and the Flash TV show. Right. But I feel like it's an easy character to introduce people in to get into the action right away. It's an episode that allows Batman to do everything Batman does. Mm-hmm. He does detective work. He does acrobatics. He does, and he's and he fights. Yeah. And we also get to see the dichotomy between Bruce Wayne and Batman, and we get introduced to this world. This episode is great for world building. Yes. It's a great episode for world 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 building. We see Gotham. We see what Gotham's about. We see the tone and the tense nature of everything. We meet Alfred. We see the Batcave. We see different aspects of Gotham. We see the police. We see everything. We see mm-hmm. Harvey Dent it lays the groundwork for so much that's going to happen in this series. It's an excellent entry episode. It's and it's it's focused. Yeah. It's a focused entry episode that's allowed to kind of be like all the stuff's out there. We're not going to explain any of it, but you'll get bits and pieces as we go on in the series, which yep. which I feel like is better. Uh I feel like the need to explain the history and background of everything the second something shows up on screen bogs stuff down it does and this show does such a good job just throwing you in the pool and we know Batman and yeah this guy's Man-Bat it's funny that that's the first episode right where it's Man-Bat versus Batman it's like okay (laughs) okay great Um, it's almost like in and of itself a joke and when we get to future episodes we'll see that they kind of do this a lot where they'll throw you throw stuff in for example like we're gonna talk about this when we talk about episode 2 but episode 2 is Christmas with the Joker where they just kind of say here's Robin
0: right which is so odd yeah
1: He's just there. Yeah. Because so many people know Batman and Robin, right? Right. And in this episode, you know, they introduce you to all these characters, characters that we will see a lot of, and it's just, it's it's a perfect episode to start with. I think it's great.
0: Totally. I agree. Um, So I will just say that what I think I most agree with from what you said, other than that, it's a really good episode is that this is a perfect showcase reel for what this show yes. is and what Batman can do.
1: That you, you took, you took my sentiment and put it, really put a nice bow on it. That's yeah. really, really well, well stated. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it just makes you excited to see more. It's a great first episode than that. However, when we cover the cat and the claw, we will have a moment where we kind of say, Hey, if you started here, yeah. Um, here's why this could also be a good intro. Yeah. I just like on leather wings better as the intro episode. There's less to it. Yeah,
1: there's less to it. And I think if you're trying to like kind of get in get involved there I think it's it's a really good way to start cat Mm -hmm. and Claw's awesome Uh, And this episode is great though. And I feel like it's it's great. It's underappreciated for how good it is underappreciated
0: This is also a nice batman centric episode because batman listen He's a lot of things and he's a wonderful character, but he's not not really a talker No, so when you have a villain who is a talker of which there are of course many in the rogues gallery most notably the joker uh, they can kind of steal the episode away from Batman. When you have Man-Bat, Man-Bat is an, a true second banana villain. Yeah. He has no dialogue. Yeah. He is a physical threat. Yeah. Uh, you have Kirk Langstrom, who's a thinker, but and he does spend a lot of time as Langstrom in this, but not enough to steal the scene away from Bruce slash Batman. Yeah. Yeah. There's also beautiful, really good themes that, of course, are derived from the comics and Batman's relationship with Man-Bat, which is all about... Um, duality. Yeah. Um, two Face definitely pops up in this episode for a reason yep. because Man Bat and Batman could almost be considered to be two sides of the same coin, yep. right? Langstrom is a man who is looking to fully become this thing, and Batman, whether he realizes it or not, is someone who has become Batman to the extent that Bruce Wayne is a disguise just as much as Kirk Langstrom is a disguise. The beast is the one that is the dominant personality and that's something we're going to see Langstrom continue to struggle with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And I also think we, it's, it's, it's almost as though, like if you're the character of Bruce Wayne and Batman, it's brought up how many times of like, is Batman a monster? Yeah. Um, and I think when you have Batman fighting an actual monster, you can kind of see both sides of it. Sure. You can kind of see how Batman can be seen as a monster by the public and by the cops and by the people of Gotham. But you also see that Batman has his humanity that he hasn't lost yet.
0: Yeah. Uh, That's actually really good to note, this idea of humanity, because I think what is so attractive about being man-bat to Kirk Langstrom is that he gets to put his humanity aside. That is why there's that look of shame when Francine comes in, that because this is such a short episode, we don't get to dive into. That might be the deepest moment of Mm -hmm. the episode is when she walks in and that look on the monster's face which is so universal monster um with like a like a frankenstein in yes. pain moment where it's like why is he in pain seeing her like that oh because that is the callback to humanity that's why he can't just escape as this thing she's his anchor to the rest of human life
1: and and at the same time it has that that recurring theme of when the love interest sees Yes, the monster, which right. is seen what you've in become. so many. It's right. like oh, oh, and I, you know, I looked upon someone I loved, and they were terrified. Yep. Um, I or think, terrifying or yeah, terrifying right. if you're, the other way. Or, yeah. You know, we see this with Man Bat. We see this with. We'll bring up the lizard again. We see this Absolutely. with the lizard, who also has a family in the comic books. We see yep. it with the thing.
0: We see it with the thing. Yeah, he's a the the shame. Thing, it's, it's the shame this of this
1: man. This monster is probably one of the the best early Fantastic Four stories. So right. this is a trend that goes through comic books quite a, quite a bit, the Hulk. We'll see it with the Hulk as well. Um, and it's great. It's perfectly uh, displayed here in this episode. And yeah, that moment with with um, Francine... It's the
0: whole reason why you include her in the episode. Yes, it's the only reason why. Yeah.
1: You know, um, it's it's why she. you need her yeah. in the episode. The episode doesn't work as well if she's not in it. It
0: doesn't. You could just have March and Langstrom and it would be a way more shallow episode. Way
1: more shallow episode and... And it's not like... And then what's to stop Batman from breaking this guy's jaw? Yep, totally. Because Batman knows, oh, wait, he's got a wife. He's got a wife. He's got a life. He's he's, got a family. And they care about him. Ultimately, he's an innocent, just as
0: much as the police officer was who he saves from the explosion. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, Ranking in the series, we don't have to give it a number, of course, because that would be super difficult. Way too difficult. Way too difficult. I agree. Is this in your top 10? Would this be towards the top Is this, like to you, when you think of like legendary Batman the Animated Series episode, does On Leather Wings chart for you?
1: I think that, I don't know if I'd put it in the top 10. It's Um, not in my top 10. It's not in my top 10. I do think it's legendary only because it's, quote unquote, the first. I totally agree. But I do think it's better than people might give it credit for. So it's definitely, I would say, maybe in the top 30%. That's
0: good. I, I would put pull it similarly, again, because it has so much weighing on it as yeah. a debut episode or as a production series one episode. Yeah. Um, it is really good. It's tight. It's well put yeah. together. The yeah. themes are good. How those themes are on display is good. Not a top tenner for me, but like a quality episode where if someone brought this up as something in their top ten, I'd be like, you yes. put it there because you respected it, and yeah. I totally understand.
1: That totally works, and this is not an episode if someone put it in their top ten, I would go... Oh, that's not a good pick. I'd be like, no, I can see why you would put that there. Sure. Um, There's sometimes when, you know, we talk about ranking everything all the time, movies, games, cartoons, comics, episodes of TV shows. You know, we look at it and we go, and someone's like, oh, that's my favorite episode. Sometimes you're like, really? Um, But an episode like this, it's like, it's not going to be my favorite. It's not going to be my top 10. But if you're like, no, this is like my second or third favorite episode of Batman, I'm like, okay, I'm cool. I get it. I get where you're coming from.
0: All right, cool. Well, I I think that's about it. I think that's all we have to say for On Leather Wings. Uh, Thank you for joining us for the first episode of the Batman-tasticast. We hope you will come back and join us for episode two, which will be Christmas with the Joker. Yeah. Um, If a few of our episodes are already out, which might be the case when you hear this, and you want to... Uh, not go to Christmas with the Joker next and you want to go to whatever your episode two was, that's okay.
1: Yeah, Christmas with the Joker. uh, (laughs) It's a very
0: odd second installment.
1: It's an odd second episode. It actually airs 38th on the which album, I agree with which I will because well when the, the reason when, when you think about it we think about TV shows as being weekly right now yes so it's kind of wild that 38 episodes and, and they they shot it twice 38 episodes is only about two months for Batman the sure Ultimate and series. it's also
0: that would be their Christmas episode yeah
1: it's it, it, it airs in November so it's kind of like getting yep. on to the Christmas season so it makes a lot of sense for that but uh, yeah we, we will be talking about Christmas with the Joker which is a wild fun kind of bottle episode which I really enjoy
0: Absolutely. Uh, Folks out there, thank you for joining us and helping us to celebrate the 30th anniversary of, again, the greatest animated series of all time. This was the Batman-tasticast. For Mike Staub, I'm Jordan Hugh. Thank you, and see you next time. Same Bat-channel, same Bat-station.
1: Hey, everyone, this is Mike Staub from the Batman-tasticast, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy what you heard today, please go out and share and subscribe and hit the like button on whatever podcast platform that you listen to and use it would mean the world to jordan and i if you went out there and shared this show with your friends we'll be doing an episode for every episode of the batman animated series and then more so in the future so stay tuned here for all news and updates and stay tuned to our social media for everything we've got coming out for you in the future so once again thank you for listening to the batman tasticast